Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. The life of the bee will be the life of our race, says Nikola Tesla, world-famed scientist. A new sex order is coming, but the female is superior. You will communicate instantly by simple vest pocket equipment. Aircraft will travel the skies, unmanned, driven, and guided by radio. Enormous power will be transmitted great distances without wires. Earthquakes will soon become more and more frequent. Temperate zones will turn frigid or torrid. And some of these awe-inspiring developments, says Tesla, are not so very far off. At 68 years of age, Nikola Tesla sits quietly in his study, reviewing the world that he has helped to change, foreseeing other changes that must come in the onward stride of the human race. From the inception of the wireless system, he says, I saw that this new art of applied electricity would be of greater benefit to the human race than any other scientific discovery, for it virtually eliminates distance. The majority of the ills from which humanity suffers are due to the immense extent of the terrestrial globe and the inability of individuals and nations to come into close contact. Wireless will achieve the closer contact through transmission of intelligence, transport of our bodies and materials and conveyance of energy. When wireless is perfectly applied, the whole Earth will be converted into a huge brain, which in fact it is, all things being particles of a real and rhythmic whole. We shall be able to communicate with one another instantly, irrespective of distance. Not only this, but through television and telephones, we shall see and hear one another as perfectly as though we were face to face, despite intervening distances of thousands of miles. And the instruments through which we shall be able to do this will be amazingly simple compared with our present telephone. A man will be able to carry one in his vest pocket. Mr. Tesla foresees great changes in our daily life. We shall be able to witness and hear events. The inauguration of a president, the playing of a World Series game, the havoc of an earthquake, or the terror of a battle, just as though we were present. When the wireless transmission of power is made commercial, transport and transmission will be revolutionized. Already, motion pictures have been transmitted by wireless over a short distance. Later, the distance will be illimitable. It is more than probable that the household's daily newspaper will be printed wirelessly in the home during the night. Domestic management, the problems of heat, light and household mechanics will be freed from all labor through beneficial wireless power. International boundaries will be largely obliterated, and a great step will be made towards the unification and harmonious existence of the various races inhabiting the globe. Wireless will not only make possible the supply of energy to regions, however inaccessible, but it will be effective politically by harmonizing international interests. It will create understanding instead of differences. Perhaps the most valuable application of wireless energy will be the propulsion of flying machines, which will carry no fuel and will be free from any limitations of the present airplanes. We shall ride from New York to Europe in a few hours. I foresee the development of the flying machine exceeding that of the automobile, and I expect Mr. Ford to make large contributions towards this progress. The problem of parking automobiles and furnishing separate roads for commercial and pleasure traffic will be solved. Belted parking towers will arise in our large cities and the roads will be multiplied through sheer necessity or finally rendered unnecessary when civilization exchanges wheels for wings. The world's internal reservoirs of heat, indicated by frequent volcanic eruptions, will be tapped for industrial purposes. 
In an article I wrote 20 years ago, I defined a process for continuously converting to human use part of the heat received from the sun by the atmosphere. My process has been carefully worked out. It is rational. Mr. Tesla regards the emergence of women as one of the most profound portents for the future. It is clear to any trained observer, he says, and even to the sociologically untrained, that a new attitude towards sex discrimination has come over the world through the centuries. This struggle of the human female towards sex equality will end in a new sex order, with the female as superior. The modern woman, who anticipates in merely superficial phenomena the advancement of her sex, is but a surface symptom of something deeper and more potent fermenting in the bosom of the race. It is not in the shallow physical imitation of men that women will assert first their equality and later their superiority, but in the awakening of the intellect of women. The acquisition of new fields of endeavor by women, their gradual usurpation of leadership, will dull and finally dissipate feminine sensibilities, will choke the maternal instinct, so that marriage and motherhood may become abhorrent, and human civilization draw closer and closer to the perfect civilization of the bee. The center of all bee life is the queen. She dominates the hive, not through hereditary right, for any egg may be hatched into a reigning queen, but because she is the womb of this insect race. There are the vast, desexualized armies of workers whose sole aim and happiness in life is hard work. It is the perfection of communism, of socialized, cooperative life, wherein all things, including the young, are the property and concern of all. There are three ways by which the energy which determines human progress can be increased. First, we may increase the mass. This, in the case of humanity, would mean the improvement of living conditions, health, genetic makeup, etc. Secondly, we may reduce the frictional forces which impede progress, such as ignorance, insanity, and religious fanaticism. Third, we may multiply the energy of the human mass by enchaining the forces of the universe, like those of the sun, the ocean, the winds, and tides. In the year 2100, hygiene and physical culture will be recognized branches of education and government. The Secretary of Hygiene or Physical Culture will be far more important in the cabinet of the President of the United States who holds office in the year 2035 than the Secretary of War. The pollution of our beaches, such as exists today around New York City, will seem as unthinkable to our children and grandchildren as life without plumbing seems to us. Our water supply will be far more carefully supervised, and only a lunatic will drink unsterilized water. I am convinced that within a century, coffee, tea, and tobacco will no longer be in vogue. Alcohol, however, will still be used. It is not a stimulant, but a veritable elixir of life. The abolition of stimulants will not come about forcibly. It will simply be no longer fashionable to poison the system with harmful ingredients. There will be enough wheat and wheat products to feed the entire world, including the teeming millions of China and India, now chronically on the verge of starvation. The earth is bountiful, and where her bounty fails, nitrogen, drawn from the air, will re-fertilize her womb. I developed a process for this purpose in 1900. Long before the next century dawns, systematic reforestation and the scientific management of natural resources will have made an end of all the devastating droughts, forest fires, and floods. The universal utilization of water power and its long-distance transmission will supply every household with cheap power and will dispense with the necessity of burning fuel. Today, the most civilized countries of the world spend a maximum of their income on war and a minimum on education. The 21st century will reverse this order. 
It will be more glorious to fight against ignorance than to die on the field of battle. The newspapers of the 21st century will give a mere stick in the back pages to accounts of crime or political controversies, but will headline on the front pages the proclamation of a new scientific hypothesis. Progress along such lines will be impossible, while nations persist in the savage practice of killing each other off. Like other inventors, I believed at one time that war could be stopped by making it more destructive. But I found that I was mistaken. I underestimated man's combative instinct, which it will take more than a century to breed out. We cannot abolish war by outlawing it. We cannot end it by disarming the strong. War can be stopped, not by making the strong weak, but by making every nation, weak or strong, able to defend itself. I have been fortunate enough to evolve a new idea, and to perfect means by which it can be used chiefly for defense. My invention requires a large plant, but once it is established, it will be possible to destroy anything, men or machines, approaching within a radius of 200 miles. It could, so to speak, provide a wall of power, offering an insuperable obstacle against any effective aggression. If no country can be attacked successfully, there can be no purpose in war. I want to state explicitly that this invention of mine does not contemplate the use of any so-called death rays. Rays are not applicable because they cannot be produced in requisite quantities and diminish rapidly in intensity with distance. I do not say that there may not be several destructive wars before the world accepts my gift. I may not live to see its acceptance, but I am convinced that a century from now every nation will render itself immune from attack. At present we suffer from the derangement of our civilization because we have not yet completely adjusted ourselves to the machine age. The solution of our problems does not lie in destroying, but in mastering the machine. Innumerable activities still performed by human hands today will be performed by automatons. At this very moment, scientists working in the laboratories of American universities are attempting to create what has been described as a thinking machine. I anticipated this development. I actually constructed robots. Today the robot is an accepted fact, but the principle has not been pushed far enough. In the 21st century, the robot will take the place which slave labor occupied in ancient civilization. There is no reason at all why most of this should not come to pass in less than a century, freeing mankind to pursue its higher aspirations. And unless mankind's attention is too violently diverted by external wars and internal revolutions, there is no reason why the electric millennium should not begin in a few decades.